0: Well, I really feel to keep on this thing, and I think we're going to be in it for a little while because as I shared last week, the most powerful weapon in all of the universe is the sound of a voice, the sound of our voice, especially the sound of our voice once it's been sanctified. So, there's this phrase I used to hear a lot when I was a kid because I had a sailor's mouth, a New York City punk mouth, and I used to hear people say a lot, hey, watch your mouth. And what they always meant by that was stop using bad words, like the seven words you can't use on radio. But I felt the Lord say, Steve, I want you to watch your mouth. And it was when I was in a season of complaining. There's a lot to complain about, to be fair, in my defense. There's a lot to complain about. There's a lot going wrong. There's a lot of things that are just out of whack and out of order. And there's just a bunch of things that plain make me mad. Five minutes of news, and I'm, I'm like, I need to get saved again. You know, it, it can feel like that sometimes. But I was meditating on the scriptures about the mouth and I just kind of marinated. This has been since about November-ish. I've been kind of stewing on these things and just sitting before the Lord with it and asking him, you know, tell me me what I can do first of all with me. Touch my lips first. And then what can I impart so that we as a a body and anyone that I have any influence with will also have a mouth that now carries heaven's authority on it. Because the only way the world's going to change around The only way all the things that we've been complaining about will be different is if our mouth is used to sing forth his praise. And so I was thinking about uh, since last week, this thing, you you know, a tuning fork, ever use one of those? Every musician knows about the tuning fork. If you have a piano tuner come over, he puts the, it's tuned to the note A and you put it on the piano. And when you play the note, if they make the same frequency, then it sounds right and it's in tune. But if your piano's out of tune and he plays the A note it makes a we call it a warbly sound. It's dissonant it's it sounds it sounds weird and off in it you know it, it's like singing next to somebody who can't sing on key and and for some like I know with Ricky I I keep far away from Ricky because he is pitch perfect and and it kind of makes you go oh ah, when, when something's out of tune and and uh, that tuning fork is set it's made in such a way that it will also vibrate when the right frequency hits it. So if you have a tuning fork tuned to A and you sing the note A or play the note A, it will begin to vibrate. It's called resonance. It resounds. It repeats the sound that it's hearing, and everything in the universe was wired that way. So we were looking at uh, I've been in that passage in Isaiah six over and over again about those angels. They're they're singing round and round the throne. The seraphim, holy, 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 is the Lord Almighty. The heaven and earth are full. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Is filled with his glory and I was thinking about how I don't often talk like the world is filled with his glory I tend to say more like one day it will be filled with all of his glory but if heaven is singing one thing and I'm saying another in the earth I'm out of tune I'm not making a dissonant sound I am saying something that although my eyes see a certain thing and my perception of reality might be different, I'm arguing, I'm saying something different than what heaven is singing. And I'm telling you that what God's doing right now with us and what he's seeking in the earth is a people who will sing in tune with what heaven is singing. Oh no, the whole earth is filled with his glory. You might not be able to see it yet. You know, if your ears, I don't know what it is that makes some better at hearing Uh, when they're in tune and when they're not in tune. I don't know what the science is behind that, but God is seeking to make his people pitch perfect when it comes to the sound coming out of heaven. You know what's fascinating too is that the angels there were crying one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. It's like one sings heaven's song and the other one begins to reverberate and then sings it right back again. It's the same song going back and forth. You guys don't look anywhere near as fascinated with this as I am. So I'll just keep preaching to me. So, so what God's looking for is a tuning fork in the earth. Do you know that we were hardwired by God to be like that tuning fork in the earth? let me put it another way in the air right now and along the electromagnetic spectrum there are radio waves spinning through this room right now thousands of them at different frequencies how do you get to hear with your natural ears what the sound is that's already there in the atmosphere you got to have an instrument I'm gonna get a little old school you got to have a radio I'm going to have to update my technology applications someday. But you need a radio. You need something that can grab that frequency and then send the sound out. It's invisible. Those waves are invisible. But through the wonder of technology, which I still, I learned about it, and I still don't get how it works. Through the wonder of that kind of technology, that which is invisible, that which is uh, silent to the natural ear becomes visible. You can hear it now. You can hear it now. And that's what we are. We're like those receptors and we're, our our ministry, do you know that the first ministry of every believer is our ministry to the Lord? That's first and foremost. The first high priest under the old covenant, a type and shadow of the the things that were to come in us. God said, set apart for me Aaron and his sons, that they might minister to me as priests oh yeah, those priests were going to have a ministry for the people. They'd make sacrifices on their behalf. They'd worship on their behalf. They'd be praying 24-7 on their behalf. But their first ministry was their ministry to the Lord. So if you feel like your mouth has been out of tune with what heaven's singing, with that song that goes on up there, then the first place to get back in tune is to begin to sing to the Lord and begin to minister to the Lord and get our eyes off of these things below and fix our gaze on things above. When we begin to do that all of a sudden it, we're like that piano tuner and, and the holy spirit starts cranking that string that's out of tune until it becomes right until so you could sing the a, the note A I can't I don't know what it sounds like oh and and then and then that string begins to vibrate and now we're saying what heaven is saying instead of our own agendas yeah. I used to play in an orchestra I played percussion And at the beginning of every, you know, before when you're sitting out there in the seats, right? And before the conductor comes out, usually the lead violinist will come out, the first violin will come, and the whole orchestra is going to tune. And do you know what the instrument is that tunes the orchestra? Anybody know? Some of you know, it's the oboe that you hear. I think that's A, I think I got it right and then everybody plays that note and then they can go off of that to the other four notes that are on the violin. Those are the four notes played when you're tuning an orchestra. Sorry, I didn't mean to turn this into a music lesson, but it's fascinating. The oboe is always tuned to A and because it's always making the right note, the whole orchestra can come into tune with one another. Now everybody is playing the same way and a good conductor can tell when one instrument's a little bit out of tune. I've seen it happen in concerts. They just give a. They do it very subtle, but they'll look at one of the instruments, hey, and, and point to him, and then you'll see like the violin will kind of take it down and pluck a little bit to get it back in tune. But it's that one note. All it takes is one oboe, that never loses its tune, to bring the whole orchestra into tune. That's what we're called to do when we go out in the world. That is our call, when we watch our mouth and we make sure we're using our mouth to glorify God, we go out and we set all the world that we have connection with, anywhere that the sound of our voice will carry has the potential to get tuned back to heaven. That is what it looks like when the kingdom comes and the will of God is done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's take a look at the power of voice, the power of of a mouth, when the voice of God spoke everything came into existence. So it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless, which is another word of saying it was chaotic. It was dissonant, it had no order to it. It was if you're into physics, it was entropy. Nothing came together, nothing worked. There's no life, there's no order to anything. It's just a bunch of meaningless chaos. It was formless and void. It was empty. There was nothing in it. It was just an empty vacuum and darkness was over the surface of the deep. So before God gets involved in our lives and anything to do with his created order, this is the condition. This is the natural condition of all things, formless, void, and dark. Not fun. Not fun. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters like a brooding hen. That's literally what it means. It was brooding like a hen who's watching out for her chicks, just watching over this thing and looking over it with love, looking over it, and instead of cursing that darkness and formless and void, he said, i got a plan, and I have the authority to do something about this. If we would believe that we actually have the authority to do something about the situations that we complain about, we'd stop complaining. The solution to ending complaining is to begin to view ourselves as the answer Not the ones who say, hey, somebody's got to do something about this. But we become the answer to the thing that we're complaining about. And that's who God is. That is his nature. He's the answer to everything. He has an answer. Before there's a problem, he has a solution for it. He's just like that. So God said, let there be light. And there was light. He knows a lot of ways that God could create. You know, he formed the man out of the dust of the earth but for all of bringing things into existence, he spoke it into existence. The power of sound, the power of first the voice of God, and as it reverberates throughout all of his creation, there is nothing more powerful than the voice of the Lord. The only thing that comes close to the voice of the Lord in power is his kids when we resound what heaven has spoken You know, our authority gets mixed up and we lose some of our authority when we just kind of go out on our own. And there's a difference between being a resounder like that tuning fork and being an echo. I'll I'll get back into this in a little while. An echo just kind of says, well, so-and-so said, and so I'm telling you this. But that tuning fork, something that can resonate and, and makes its own sound based on the vibes it's getting. We we use a lot of terms. The '60s was full of a lot of great terms. Hey, I'm getting good vibes right now. Good vibrations. I'm getting good vibes right now. I mean, but heaven's got good vibes. If we pick up on the good vibes of heaven and we reverberate those out into the earth, there is authority on that. We don't have authority to just go and do whatever we want to do. Ask the sons of Siva about that. If you're familiar with their story, these guys, they were Jewish and they heard about the name Jesus. They were exorcists and they saw Paul casting out demons and and they went and tried to cast out this demon and said, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. So they didn't have a clue who Jesus was, certainly didn't have a living Christ in them. And they said, you know, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And and they got their butts whooped and ran out of the house naked because they were just an echo saying something that belonged to someone else. No, everything originates from heaven. None of us is 100% original. The Word of God is the first place that we go to. We are resounding what we read and learn from the Word of God. All of us have learned from teachers. And man, I love learning from podcasts and books and and of the making of them. There will never be any end. And there's so much to learn, so much to know. But until we have something that's taken form on the inside of us, words are like seeds, till that seed takes root and we're bearing our own fruit from that word it has no authority in it. So I'm gonna tell you today, the word today is, we're gonna find our voice so that we're not just echoes, but we actually have our own voice. Oh, we might be saying the same thing heaven is saying, but we're not saying it as those who don't embody that word already. We're to be first living epistles read of all men, and then we explain what's going on on the inside. Is this okay, you all tracking so far? Because then God, said, God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. That's what he does. Wherever light is, there can't be darkness. It really is just that simple. So at the sound of his voice, chaos becomes order. Light dispels darkness, and nothing becomes everything. From nothing, God created things. You know, you know. I like to geek out, and forgive me if it's too much science. Some of you like it, like five of you rest of you like man, I, man I, I'm not in high school anymore but no they're finding new things there's always something new genuine science that are curious and exploring and learning do you know and uh, it was 2017 they finally proved what Tesla said over a century ago that you can make actual matter from light what The only problem we have is that there's not enough power to generate the kind of mass or what, I don't know. Now I'm lost. This is as far as I could go with it. You have to get like gamma-ray level power to be able to do this, which is just one of the whole thing. You know when God said, let there be light? It wasn't just red, orange, blue, green, indigo, and violet. He said, let there be light. And everything that exists came out of that, from gamma rays, x-rays, radio waves, all of it is there. Most of it comes out of the sun. Thank God all of it doesn't reach earth in that. But it's in there. It's that kind of power. And they found out that, you know what? You can make something from nothing by light. (laughs) So what I I love about this, I used to be a science geek. I was on my way to be pre-med, so my drinking schedule got in the way of organic chemistry. And that all fell apart. But God used it, and here I am. That's my testimony, by the way. There you go. I did it in 10 seconds flat. I love when the scriptures, which were written thousands of years ago, are already ahead of science. And we discover things that were written in the word by so-called ignorant ancient people. But what they had was a connection with heaven. They heard something. They understood something from God. You know, he sits upon the circle of the earth. There's never been a true believer who understood the word who was a flat earther. It's always been round. It's been in the Psalms since 1000 BC. It's on the circle of the earth. Come on, guys. It, this, this is why science is so important, why we shouldn't have slept through science class like, like a lot of y'all did. I could tell by your expression right now. And it's the same thing with light. The first thing he said was, let there be light, and then everything that is came to be. So you go and start reading some scriptures about light and the light of that. <laughs> See what I did there? And the light of that. And you're going to see the wisdom of God and the power of God and the way that God just really is all. All things are from him. All things are unto him. All things are because of him. Everything is in him. There's absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing that exists that didn't begin with him. Everything that's been created is still reverberating from the sound it first heard. But each has its own melody. That sound comes out. It's not like we're just a bunch of robots and we just repeat words that we heard. Every one of us has a color on the spectrum. And he said, let there be light. And it's not just Roy G. Biv. It's all of it. And some of us are just whacked out like ultraviolet. It's not even like mellow enough for you. And some of you are like, infrared crazy and even beyond that and and we manifest that light in different ways but we're all still reverberating from that one thing when God said let there be light everything began to take shape from there so we now know that matter can come from light which is an absolute marvel of science so let's take a look at the incarnation If you turn to John chapter 1 I want to look at some things because if the power of God's word was such that everything came into existence. Then what happens when the one who created all things takes up residence on the inside of the heart of a person? And out of the abundance of that new heart, our mouth begins to speak. Now, what kind of power is in that? What authority do we now carry in the earth? And therefore, what responsibility do we have to the generation and the earth in which we live? So John said it, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Just in case you wondered what all things means. It means there's nothing that's not in all things. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, everything comes from inside of God. It's out of the abundance of our heart that our mouth speaks. It was out of the abundance of God's heart that everything came into existence. So what did God speak? Out of the abundance of his heart, God spoke the incarnation. He named him Jesus. And what was he? He was embodied in the form of grace and truth. The redeemed mouth. When we're watching our mouth, the redeemed mouth is bent towards speaking grace and speaking truth. We'll dig in on that as we go through this series together, as we really look at how important what comes out of us is grace and truth. If our word is not filled with grace, if our words are not filled with truth, then we become a dissonant sound in the earth. If we're speaking the truth without grace, or the truth without love, as the scripture puts it in another place, then we're not speaking the truth anymore. We're speaking our own truth. Or if we speak grace without the truth and we're, we're offering forgiveness where there's not forgiveness yet. We're offering mercy where somebody hasn't yet, they're, they're still under judgment, they're still under all kinds of things and we, we don't just get to say whatever we feel like saying. We get to speak as oracles of God because Christ in us has a word filled with grace and truth. And all of the communication Jesus did, everything was motivated by love. We all agree on that. Not a single thing Jesus said. Not a single thing he did that wasn't motivated by love. He was love incarnate. He was the perfection of love. And so he spoke words to the down and out. He spoke words to drunkards and so on that made them feel loved. And he he gathered disciples because of that. But out of that same mouth, he called Pharisees a brood of vipers. And he used his mouth in a way that he was speaking what heaven was speaking about things. And that's how how he walked the earth. So our words carry the highest authority when we sing whatever song heaven is singing. We sing the song that heaven's singing. I highly recommend to you a study in Revelation. This is a good time to read Revelation with all the stuff that's being talked about with Revelation. You know, I think we're on the eighth Antichrist of my lifetime. Right now. All right? Now we know know we have an updated version of the Mark of the Beast now, and it's not our social security number anyway. Anyway, I'm going to get off on that. It's a good time to read Revelation. You know what we'll find when we read it? You're not going to be able to flip but two pages before there's more singing and rejoicing before there's more celebration, before there's more, this is what it looks like when our heart gets filled with what Jesus is like, with what God is like. And we're going to find that in the revelation, it's not the revelation of the Antichrist, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we get filled with that and we find because our heart's now filled with that, there's a very different message coming out of our mouth. Because frankly, to speak to people that aren't in the room with us doesn't make a whole lot of sense but to speak to those who are in front of us with grace and truth, now we're going to begin to see authority on our words. I believe that we are coming into days where we're going to see the greatest harvest that we've ever seen. We're already in it. We are already in it. Do you know I've been, you know, I've been here for 14 years now. It'll be 15 years this July. My 15th year begins this July at Hillside. And in the last year, we have reached more new believers than at any point during my time here at Hillside. I mean, people that have really come, and some of you are here today, who came to us broken and lost, really hurting, really jacked up by life, just like me, circa 1989, came just like that, and now there's life, and that more abundantly happening. But I want to tell you, it's just first fruits, and there's more to come. Around the earth right now, I've exhorted you many times, I'll do it again until my dying breath, If you're not hearing about what God's doing in the earth, you tuned into the wrong news. I'm sorry, but what's happening in Ukraine right now is not as important as what the kingdom of heaven is doing in the earth. It's important. Oh, it's very important, especially if you have loved ones or you live in Ukraine or in that region of the world. But nothing that gets reported on CNN, NBC, Fox News, none of that is as important as what the kingdom of heaven is doing in the earth right now. Sometimes we just get so saturated with all the other information and we don't even ask, what else is going on? And I just absorbed 15 minutes worth of news. I read the first few pages of whatever website I was on, whatever it was. Did anybody say anything about what Jesus is doing right now? Because if you don't tap into that and don't hear the stories of that, it almost feels like God's left us alone again. And he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We've got to start filling our heart with good news. Not to avoid. You know what? I'll tell you this. Faith has nothing to do with ignoring what needs to be changed. Right? You don't have to pretend like everything's fine. We don't have to pretend like it's all good in order to have genuine faith. We don't have to pretend like there's nothing that needs to be fixed in order to carry a living hope. We don't have to do that. Heaven's well aware of it. But which team is going to win the game? The team that's booed by their fans because they just fumbled again or the team that's got their fans on their feet shouting and screaming because they're getting close to the touchdown. Which team's going to win that game? I think it's time for us to tune out the booing that comes from hell and tune back into the cloud of witnesses. Amen. There's a cloud of witnesses around the throne. You know what they're singing right now? They're singing worthy. It's worth it. Worthy. He's worthy. I'm going to tell you. You know, I was sawn in two. one of them would say in Hebrews. I got sawn in half. I'd do it all over again for what I see now. I wandered in the wilderness my entire life. Never had a roof over my head. For what I see now, oh, I'd do it all over again. It's time for us to start tuning into voices like that. You know, start watching. If you're interested in the war in Ukraine, keep watching those videos of the church worshiping the subway. Keep watching those videos of those saints who are boldly singing or proclaiming the gospel and they haven't slowed down even while the shelling's destroying their city. That's kind of news that we should be tuned into. What's heaven up to? And then we begin to sing the song that heaven is singing it's never filled with anxiety. It's never filled with worry. It's not even filled with anger. The wrath of God was satisfied on the cross. We sing about it every Easter. The wrath of God was satisfied. Was it? Just checking to see if we believe and we agree on some things. The wrath of God's been satisfied. He's not waiting to pour it out on the earth. It's been satisfied already. Let's go preach good news. Even the earth is caught up to the day in which we live right now. Did you know that? The earth is caught on. Paul said in Romans that the earth is groaning for the manifestations of the sons of God. The earth wants to see us remember who we are in this world, that we are as he is. So are we in this earth. The earth is doing that. It's it's caught up to the day in which we now live. Take a look at this. And we, we've been called to this, to the general assembly, to the church of the firstborn in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. That's further on down in Hebrews 12. The spirits of the righteous made perfect. How many of you are perfect? This feels like a trap question. Thank you for raising your hand. Michael, you've read the Bible and you're not afraid of it. How many of you have Christ in you? A little bit braver about answering that one, you're perfect. You are? You can argue with the Bible if you want to. I'm not going to argue back on its behalf. When we disagree with the Word of God, it's right, we're wrong. How many of you are sinners saved by grace? Oh, man. Nope. You used to be a sinner, then you got saved by the grace of God, now you're a saint. Every one of these letters written to us, to the saints, which are in Ephesus. You don't have to wait until you've done a miracle and lived a certain life to get a Frisbee over your head on a stained glass window. <laughs> All of you who didn't grow up Catholic are like, what's that? That's... Who did? Oh, Lutherans, you got those Frisbees too like that? It's meant to be the glory of God, I think, or something like that. But no, you are a saint. It's just that the reality on earth hasn't caught up to heaven's reality. That is literally what we are. We're perfect. We're perfect. To the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Nobody is perfect, but only God is perfect. God said, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Just like the angels singing in heaven in 700 B.C. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. God Almighty, the whole earth is filled with his glory. Is it? Is Ukraine filled with his glory right now while buildings are crumbling down? Yes, it is. Just can't see it yet with these eyes. Heaven's reality is there, waiting for people in the earth to reverb with what heaven's speaking about it. Same thing with any issue in our lives, in our hearts. If we continue to say, for example, we're sick, we're suffering with an ongoing thing, and we keep saying, oh, it's hopeless, I'm going to die from this thing, the prognosis of the doctors says, I've got three months to live. Guess what? We say that with our mouth because we believe it in our heart, and it can become. I'm going be to tread very carefully here. I'm not suggesting, let me throw the disclaimer out. I've known many people who have died in faith. I buried a good friend who died in faith. He died believing that even now, The doctor said this is it when they unplug this thing I'm going to die even now I believe he can heal me many people have died in faith but for we who are living there's only one correct posture and that's to say what heaven is speaking what's heaven declaring over my life right now and until what I see in the earth matches what I already know to be true in heaven the only thing that's going to come out of my mouth is agreeing with what heaven has said so I'm perfect. I had to s- do this here one time. We were singing that song. You are holy. Oh, so holy. And we were singing it to the Lord. And I got up and I felt this from the Lord. And I'd never thought of it like this before. That's a scary moment when you just get a download from heaven. The Lord says, say it. And if you're a student of the word like I am, so but I'm not having a chance to study that yet. He <laughs> said, it's, it's time right now I want you to do this. So I did. And I said, look, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. We are saints of God. So how about we turn this around and we sing to the God who's living in the temple inside of us. I am holy. Oh, so holy. Do you know what's going to happen? Instead of me focusing so much on the things that haven't yet lined up and don't measure up to Christ, I'm going to be feeding that part of me that is alive to God. And I'm going to be declaring the things that are not as though they were. As though they were the, the earth itself. Do you know sometimes the earth is wiser than us. The earth is caught up to the new covenant because the earth received the blood of Jesus when he literally poured out his heart on the cross. Every drop of blood in his body. When the last drop had spilled and he said, it is finished. The earth absorbed his blood. A few thousand years before that, the very first human being who died, Abel, Spilled his blood into the ground. Only his was a murder. And when God came to Abel, or God came to Cain, he said, hey Cain, where's your brother? Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? I don't know. And God said, I hear the sound of his blood. His blood cries out to me from the earth. And what's Abel's blood crying out for? Justice. Abel's blood said, I've been murdered. It is unjust. And so Cain was cursed or his offspring were cursed. As a result of that, Abel's blood was crying out for vengeance. What did Jesus' blood cry out? To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. If you've studied Hebrews, you know what that sprinkling's all about. Jesus came to the, not the type and shadow tabernacle in the earth, but to the real temple in heaven, the tabernacle in heaven. And his blood was sprinkled on what? The mercy seat. (laughs) when The earth absorbed Jesus' blood. Do you know what the earth is crying out now as a result? Mercy. Mercy. The mercy seat's wide open. There's no cherubim guarding the way to the holy of holies anymore. The way to paradise is open again. It speaks better things than the blood of Abel. It's crying out mercy, grace, truth, life. That's what the earth is crying out. It's time we reverb like the earth is and make the earth stop groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Let's manifest what we are, sons and daughters of God who tune into heaven's agenda and speak good news. I'm going to tell you right now, the thing the world's missing is saints of God preaching good news. And I'm not going to do a show of hands right now. But if we, before we go and complain about what anyone else is not doing, from government all the way on through to our neighbor, when was the last time we preached good news? When was the last time we looked somebody in the eye who was lost and broken and destitute, somebody who was hungry for something missing in their lives, somebody filled with anxiety, somebody filled with whatever it is, somebody who's at that breaking point moment, looked them in the eyes and said, I have good news for you let me tell you about my Jesus. That's what the world's missing. There should be a billion voices in the earth right now resounding the sound of good news. How will they hear unless someone preaches to them, Romans says. There's got to be a sound from our voice like the sound of Jesus' blood in the earth which says mercy is yours. God is going to restore. God is able to heal. He's able to save. He's able to deliver. You might be on the wrong side of the political aisle from me. You might be the most offensive jerk I have ever worked with. But out of these lips, because I've been in heavenly places, I'm going to be able to speak mercy to you and life to you from that place. The throne room of heaven is calling out mercy. And the good news is it's triumphed over judgment. Mercy Rejoices over judgment is actually the phrase. It's so triumphed that it's singing and dancing a victory song over the dead body of judgment, which was crucified in Christ. Hallelujah. Now when we get in harmony with that message, now the knowledge of the glory of the Lord fills the earth. Because the whole earth is filled with his glory. It's just not everybody knows that yet. And so we behave in such a way as if God's glory isn't here. As if God's abandoned us, the blind watchmaker, as the agnostics believe. You know, maybe he started the earth, but he's not actively involved in it in any way. And we we dispense with all of that. We can see the glory of the Lord. And now our vision for what life can be comes up so much higher. And that's why God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Why? Because he wanted the whole earth to be filled with the knowledge of his glory. God's glory is evident. He is self-evident, holy, holy, holy. He is self-evidently full of glory. But to have that invisible attribute of God made visible in the earth, he made us in his image and in his likeness. Those are two different words. And his image would be like saying, hey, he looks more like his father every day. He's a spitting image of his dad. That's what the word image is like. It's the same word used to describe idols throughout the scriptures. It's an idol. It's like a physical representation of what something looks like. So, image is one thing, but likeness is another. How many of you know, you know, you can have offspring who look like their dad, but they're not like their dad at all. We can look like our dad, but not be uh, a chip off the old block, as we say. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We can, uh, so what got marred by sin wasn't the image of God. We all still look the same. Why did this, why, when God became manifest in the earth, why did he look like a human? He could have looked like anything. He could have been a, a talking lion. Aslan, you know, he could have been that in the earth. That, you would have taken notice to that. You, it, would have been, it would have been like Isaiah said, he has no shapely form or majesty. We should be drawn to him. You'd stop in your tracks if a 300-pound or 1,000-pound lion stood and started talking to you, wouldn't you? But instead, he took on the form of human. Why? This is what God looks like with skin on. That's what we are. We're not equal to God that way, but we are what God looks like with skin on. Likeness. So we, we still are. And that's why our mouth, speaking to any other human being, we got to remember that is what God looks like with skin on. They may not be behaving like God right now. They may not be speaking words that are like God's words right now, but they're still made in the image of God. Likeness is what gets restored when we come to Christ. We're getting more like our daddy every day. We say that when kids grow up. I just said that to one of your kids recently. You're looking more like your mama every day. And it's true, you you know, you grow, you mature, and you begin to look more like your parents when you grow up. You can see it more. And so it is in Christ. When newborn babes, we don't look a whole lot like him. Our likeness isn't, uh, meaning his attributes, his ways. But the more we grow in him, the more we are in his likeness every day if we continue to grow. And then, of course, our commission was to let them rule over the fish and the cattle and all of that. So we are all still made in the image of God, which is the physical manifestation of God, and we remain so even in a fallen condition. We ought to remember that, and we'll be in that chapter in James in a week or two, that when we speak to people, if we curse them, we are cursing something that's made in the image of God. Okay? So that's, this is where watch your mouth comes into play, and we'll, we'll talk about how to cultivate some things in our heart so that when we look at others, we're able to look at what Christ in them can do rather than what they look like and behave like right now. How to see beyond the behavior, how to see beyond the facade of unlike godness that we're encountering and speak something that doesn't exist yet. We're restored to the likeness of God which means living like he does when we're born again and we manifest his nature and his attributes which includes his authority, all authority and heaven and earth belongs to Jesus. So, if all authority belongs to Jesus, that means somebody has no authority. He only gets authority when he borrows ours. That's the kingdom of darkness. He has no authority in the earth. Satan has no authority over your life. He has no authority over the world, no real authority at all. He has zero authority. All authority in heaven and earth belongs to Jesus. He's dispensed it among his body, which means the kingdom of darkness has no authority. It is a lie to believe that the kingdom of darkness is going to advance in the earth. It's a lie. The kingdom of darkness has no authority. Do you know the only way that the world gets darker is when we put our light under a bushel. That's why Jesus told us not to do that. So God, who gives life to the dead, And calls into being that which does not exist. So we want to be like God. We have to learn how to use our mouth to call into being that which doesn't exist. This is where faith and knowing what heaven's song is, what heaven's word is, what the word of God actually says, even if we don't see it with our eyes yet, we begin to call it into being. So saying, I am holy. There's some unholy things I do. All of us, right? All of us with our mouth especially. James said it. Anybody can control his tongue. He's perfected. He's finished. The job's done. You already on the outside are exactly like Christ in you is on the inside. You're already there. And so we call into being that which does not exist. We do it in prayer, but I'm telling you that the place that has the most authority is when you can look in the eyes of somebody, Try this next time you get face-to-face with somebody who is depressed. Look them square in the face and just say, I see better things ahead for you. I see better things than what I hear you saying with your mouth right now. I know that you've come to believe certain things about yourself because of the things that have happened. And maybe you feel like you're not worthy sometimes and the anger and the anxiety and all of those kind of things hit the forefront of your mind. But I could tell you that I see better things because Christ in you Is doing a work on the inside that you haven't seen yet and it's coming and it's inevitable it's as inevitable as spring it's as inevitable as the grass and everything getting greener right now it's coming be patient watch for it but don't lose hope because it's not going to go away do we begin to use our mouth to speak like that we use the authority that's on our mouth to declare what god sees how many of you know that requires sometimes very prophetic vision I've worked with some of those people too. I've encountered some of those people too. I've had some of those people in church too. That You're just not there yet. And the thing that's spilling out of your mouth right now and your actions right now are about as demonic as, as the devil himself. But I can see through all that because in you right now is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I'm going to begin to speak into that. I'm going to bless that. I'm going to call your attention to that. This, I believe, is the key to parenting. I'm going to keep calling attention to what's on the inside of you that hasn't had a chance to manifest yet. And I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on that. So God spoke all creation into our being, and our mouth creates the world in which we will live. That's what our mouth does. Chris Fallatin says it really well. Worlds create worlds. Words create worlds. That's a tough one to say. Our words create worlds. If we continue to complain, we continue to speak hopelessness, we continue... How many of you talk to yourself? See, now I got all the hands raised. (laughs) We all do. I've told you the trick, right? Put your Bluetooth in your ear and then people think you're on their phone. You could do it anywhere. (laughs) We talk to ourselves. You know Why? Because it's out of the abundance of the heart that our mouth speaks. I've caught myself sometimes when I just kind of free roll, talk to myself like I'm out gardening or I'm cleaning the bathroom and I'm free roll talking and something will come out of my mouth. and go, whoa, where did that come from? Usually it's something really bad because I'm angry about something or I'm angry at someone or I'm bro- brooding on something that I shouldn't be brooding on. And I start to argue, you, ever, you, ever, you talk to yourself, do you ever argue with people that aren't in the room? You're in the argument because you thought of something much more clever than what you said when you said, well, 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 when you just admit? And you think of a more clever response later on. And when you hear those words come out of your mouth, we find out what Jesus meant when he said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, it's what comes out of a man that defiles him. We find out, ooh, I didn't know the potential for that was in there. And now what came out of my mouth revealed something about what's inside of me. Now God, help me. I'm going to need a different meditation in there because I don't ever want those words to actually spill out of my mouth should I see that person again. (laughs) So our mouth creates the world in which we live. If we're complaining, we're grumbling. Do you know there's a time, and I think we'll probably look into this at one point during this, this series together, when Israel was grumbling in their tents. So they weren't out there complaining and gossiping to each other. They were just in their tents complaining as a family, having a, complain, uh, a family complaining party. There's a manna, we have b- manna bread again for the thousand times, tired eating his manna, tired of wandering in the world. When are we going go to the promised land? I don't want to know, the giant's in the promised land anyway. Now what are we going to do? Do you know the word murmur is an onomatopoeia? Because that's what it sounds like. And when we do that with our mouth, we literally generate something around us. We release something into the atmosphere of our lives, especially to those who hear it. And maybe, perhaps, we'll start to resound with that. This is what gossip, how gossip works. I, I just spoke something negative. It struck something in you, and now you're resounding that. Now you're making that sound, and, and heaven help us when you start resounding that and you give voice to it and you talk to someone else, man, now you've got a whole orchestra of instruments that are using in their mouth to speak words that bring corruption, corrupt communication. But what if out of our mouth were words that say, man, I know that this looks so difficult right now, but look at what Jesus is doing in the middle of it. Let's fix our eyes on the Lord. I know the circumstance stinks right now. This is awful. But let's see what Jesus has to say about it. Let's walk with him through the valley of the shadow of death. Our mouth creates the world in which we'll live. So part of our conversion back to the image and likeness of God means we're going to find our voice. I'm just going to kind of close with this thought. And by that I mean that we're not just repeating things that somebody else said. I told you as a goal for me as an equipper, is that the word that I preach from this pulpit is something the Lord's already shown you. Maybe it colors in some details. Maybe it opens a new avenue of thinking uh, for your heart. Or maybe it, maybe it does bring that conviction of, oh, I never saw that before. But for the most part, as we mature in Christ, if God's broadcasting something to a body of believers, there's generally going to be, a, yeah, you know what? God's been saying the same kind of things to me about it. Finding our voice means that the words that we've heard from others have now taken root in us and we've begun to live it. My pastor, one of the first things he taught me about preaching was don't just practice what you preach. Instead, think of it this way, only preach whatever you've already put into practice. That's a living word. I don't want to preach somebody else's message. I can't preach somebody else's uh, thing. You know, John the Baptist was a voice crying out in the wilderness. He wasn't just out there spouting off scripture at everybody. He had a voice and he was the greatest of all prophets, Jesus said, because he had a voice. And one of my goals for us all is that we find our voice. What is it that Christ in you naturally spills out of your mouth? To find out how to communicate things that have already become a living word on the inside of you. Those of you that are called to teach and preach, this is your first responsibility to be so saturated in the written word of God and the living word of God it's not as though we're not all going to read. I love to read. I love to listen. I love to learn. But as I shared with you, this, this whole series began back in November. And most of the actual truths are things that I've known for a while or maybe known for years, some of them going back to seminary. But there's life on it right now because I took that word and that seed and I planted it in my heart and I waited patiently for the Lord to root it and then grow some fruit out of it. And, and that's a living word. All of us are responsible to find our voice, to say things that had their origin in heaven. may not be the first time anybody ever said it. Look, there's a gospel that we're preaching, right? There's really not a whole lot of difference in what we're going to end up saying at some point. Jesus Christ came to save you and deliver you from your sins. That's hardly an original line. But when it cut, how many of you I could say that because I'm reading it out of a book? Or I could say it because I'm a testimony of the truth of this. And now let me back up that word I just preached with you with a story out of another book, which is the book of my life. Read this living epistle, and now there's authority on the word I just spoke to you. That's how this works. So when we speak from the heart, we're a voice instead of an echo. And our voice is that which carries our authority. Echoes can speak the truth, but echoes don't have authority. We're just repeating someone else's words. I urge all of you to spend that kind of time, sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus for a little while. Take something, you know, Isaiah 6, right? I read there were six verses there in Isaiah 6. I read that no less than 100 times over to prepare to begin this series because I felt like God was in that. This is just behind the curtain. I urge all of you to do this. Don't, uh, I know I don't want to step on any toes here. Sometimes there's this pressure I've got to read through the whole Bible in a year. Or, and then, you know, that becomes like a New Year's resolution. And, you know, you get to Leviticus, you're like, what the? And then you move on, <laughs> you know. Or you do something like that. Instead, I urge you to read what the living word is happening right now. Something's going on in your life. Take one verse and chew on it for a month. And watch the depth of revelation that's going to begin to bubble up as you and the living word commune over the written word together. Now you're going to begin to have a word that has authority in it because it's not something you heard from someone else. It's something that you know to be true. John opened his letter by saying that which we've tasted, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our own eyes, this we bring to you. Not something we heard secondhand. We've encountered something. And that's why our word has authority over all those false teachers who are talking nonsense. All right, let's stand and pray. Father, we pray that you would so open up the eyes of our understanding, that you'd open up the inner man to all of what it is that you're speaking, that we would have no doubt what heaven's communication is in this hour, and that we would be those who carry a living word, burning like fire shut up in our bones. In fact, I pray that our time of communion with you in the secret place, our time of fellowship with you, even together with all the saints, would be filled with such a fire from heaven that the words that we speak would be uncontainable, and that they would be filled with life and that more abundantly that we would see change begin to occur in situations that have been ongoing, sometimes for years, because we've stewed and marinated in heavenly places about it. And now we're speaking a word from the throne room of heaven itself. I pray you'd put a guard on our mouth. Help us to watch our mouth and keep a guard on it that we would only open our lips when our mouth is going to show forth your praise. Holy Spirit, come and put a cold to our lips, as you did for Isaiah, that we would have a ministry that transforms, a ministry that doesn't need a lot of arguing, a lot of convincing, a lot of word dynamics, but a simple word that brings life, an anointing on it that breaks yokes. Holy Spirit, come and anoint us to preach good news. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Have an awesome week doing that. I love you guys, and I'll, uh, I'll see you in the plan.